0: Hey, this is Gerd Handel and welcome to the Inner Light Project. This show is for anyone who's wanting to lead a happier, healthier, and enlightened life. Create more self-love, inject more joy and abundance into their daily life. Join me for inspiring interviews and spiritual topics, so you can shine your inner light. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Inner Light Project. My name is Gert Handel and this month is all about sobriety. So last month we discussed the topic of surrendering and this month is all about being sober curious and the reason it's this month is because I am actually 11 years sober this month and I'm just so excited to share it and I think There's an interesting theme where you know Christmas happens and a new year and everyone's all drinking and then January people are trying to have like dry dry, can't even say the words dry January or veganary and it doesn't always stick and I think February is a great time to to really if you're if you're ready to become sober and or sober curious, it's it's time to start because by the time you start in February, it'll be spring soon. And the way, I don't know, I know when it happened for me, it just felt better in February for some reason. And so, yeah, this month is dedicated to sobriety. And so on this episode, I will be sharing an amazing guest who's helping women to heal and and tap into their unreached potential. And that all starts as being sober curious. And so in another episode, I will be sharing my story, which I will do very soon. Uh, But this episode, I want to share with you an amazing lady called Amanda Kuda. She is an alcohol-free lifestyle expert. She is a holistic life coach, speaker and author who lives in Austin. And she helps really ambitious self-centered women to stop drinking and start manifesting the life that they deserve and desire. Hi, Amanda. I'm so grateful to have you on the show and thank you for joining us today.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to speak with you today.
0: Oh, bless you. I'm just, I'm so excited to have you on the show because it's about talking about being sober free. So, what was your life like before you became sober curious?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I would say that my life was pretty average. And I mean that in a good and a bad way because there was nothing extraordinary about my life, but there was also, and there was nothing remarkable about my drinking. I was an average run of the mill kind of social drinker where I was, you know drinking to come out of my shell to have a great vibrant social life and i was mostly drinking alcohol on the weekends so i really want to i always want to start out by saying this isn't necessarily a rock bottom story this is a story about an average very very normalized drinking culture and i think that's really important to note because there are so many people who have a very normalized relationship with alcohol but they don't realize how much it's infiltrated and held them back in their lives and Around the time I turned, let's say 27 or 28, I started out on a spiritual development journey. I had had, you know, I was kind of having an existential crisis where I was wondering, is this all there is to life? You know, I have this college degree and I have this job that's supposed to be so fantastic. And I have this vibrant social life and all these friends, and I'm always doing something. And I just felt really empty. So I kind of started going on a personal development journey and exploring all of the self-help and modern spirituality texts. And one of the things that I felt at that time was that there was something more and something more spectacular to life and that life could be easier and have more flow to it. But no matter what I did, I couldn't quite find that rhythm. So I would add in meditation and journaling and I would add in, you know, exercise and yoga and I was going on retreats and my life felt a little better, like marginally better, but not the point of the people who were writing these self-help books. And I thought, okay, either what they're writing is complete bullshit and (laughs) they're just trying to sell books, right? (laughs) Or what they're writing is real. And I'm not quite there yet. And granted, you know, I was still pretty early into my journey, but I just felt like the results I was getting were so minimal that I really just wondered if there was something wrong with me or if I was doing something wrong. And I I wonder if people who are listening can relate to just like doing more, trying to add more into your life. And what I landed on is that maybe it wasn't about doing more. Maybe it was about being more effective and doing less of something that was ineffective. And when I looked at my life, the least effective thing that I was doing much to my dismay was drinking alcohol. And I had to start to wonder, maybe it's, Drinking—that's holding me back. Maybe it's this one thing that everyone else is doing that's so normal. But if I want a life that's better than everyone else, that's not just average, then maybe I have to stop doing really average, normal things. And that was a big wake-up call for me. And I wonder if you can relate to that at all in your journey. Oh yeah.
0: So back when I was just, well, I was twenty-five, so it, was, mm-hmm. it would have been my twenty-sixth year that year. Um, I had done the same. You know, I'd grown up drinking drinking from a young age but also it was more to kind of suppress my emotions it wasn't really Mm -hmm. about having fun Mm -hmm. Um, it's about letting loose but really hiding away from my own trauma if I'm honest yeah yeah which a lot of us have done Uh (laughs) growing up and I I worked in the journalism industry and oh my god you know drinking was such a normal culture you know Mm -hmm. you drink you know after work you would have meetings or events to go to and you'd be drinking you know it's so normalized within our culture which i find really strange now and then one day i just remember waking up going I fancy not drinking for a week and all of my friends started laughing saying oh yeah right you can't survive for a for a day what are you talking about <laughs> the usual thing right yeah. and then one week led to a month a month led to six months and here we are 10 years later and it was the best decision i ever made and it was interesting how the moment i stopped drinking People had a problem with it, which I thought is very strange. This is my personal journey. Just because I'm not drinking doesn't mean that I'm not part of the group. But for some reason, not everybody was happy that I quit, like I quit drinking, which I thought was very strange at the time. Was that similar for you?
1: Yes. You know, I, I'm really lucky that I I kind of similar to you. When I decided to stop drinking, I just decided and there was no talking me out of it. And so when I communicated it to people, I didn't communicate it with any wobbling wobbling this, if you will, <laughs> I was just very firm in the, I'm not drinking right now. I don't know when I will, and I'm actually really excited about it. And so I tried to have this really positive mentality about the fact that I wasn't drinking because I knew if I left any room for question, any like, Oh, I don't know. Uh-huh, then people would bite on that and they would go after it. And so I didn't leave much room for it. But what I did notice is that people in society at large, when you were doing something the same, and then you change a behavior, it triggers something in them. It's as if you've silently said, because I'm not doing that anymore I'm judging you or I think that is bad and I think you should stop too and I never said that but there was yeah. this sense of people having to defend their drinking because yeah. I wasn't drinking because they were uncomfortable at the thought of maybe if I was doing it that that meant they should try it too and so they had to find a way to talk themselves you know into their current lifestyle I guess is kind of how I perceived it does that does that resonate
0: yeah yeah I think looking back now it was I was on a journey of refinding myself and that scared the shit out of some of them because they didn't know who they were so alcohol was a way for them to escape too you know some people they can enjoy alcohol and have a glass of wine and that's it but for others Mm -hmm. it's a way to entertain themselves or have fun but actually Mm -hmm. you don't need to have alcohol to have fun and I would still go out with these friends and then I'd be on nights out with them and people be like, are you drunk? And I'm like, no, I'm just having fun. And they'd be like, what? It was just, it was just (laughs) so fascinating that I wasn't drinking it. I looked like the drunk one because I was just being free.
1: Yeah. It's, and it's so, you know, I think that's one of the things that, well, I know it's one of the things that people are most afraid of is how will I have fun without alcohol? And the great answer is that you can do, you can be as wild and crazy as you want, because no one's going to know and most of the people if you're still going out with people who are drinking they're just so consumed in their own story and in their own evening or in their own self that they're not going to be paying attention to you but even if they were they would just assume that you were drinking too and that was one of the most freeing things that i could just be as fun and as wild and as crazy as i wanted to yeah. and no one would really notice
0: i love it i just I randomly had a thought as when you were talking actually mm-hmm. About alcohol, it reminds me of like when somebody becomes a vegan. You know, you mm-hmm. become a vegan and it's like, oh, you think you're better than us. And then, but the vegan person isn't saying, I'm vegan by the way, now, but like, yes, you're not saying that you're better than them, but they assume because you choose a healthy lifestyle that you are above them when actually mm-hmm. you don't really care. As long as you're happy and you're eating healthily
1: or you're drinking, you're not drinking, you don't really give a shit what people think. <laughs> yeah, I think that most people don't. I do have to make sure that, you know, in the work that I do with my clients that. You know, there goes, there's this period that a lot of people go through where it's like this, it's called the pink cloud where you just feel so euphoric and so great. And you think that you're doing people a favor by telling them about it. And if (laughs) there's one, there's one thing to, to, to say, oh my gosh, I feel so great. And then there's the other side of that, where you're trying to illustrate how great you feel, but it's done in the format of talking down about alcohol and how poisonous and toxic Mm. it is, which is absolutely true. But in, in a society where some people just don't want to hear it, it's not helpful. I think too, I think that there are, there are some people and even obviously in, you know, any dietary lifestyle, veganism, gluten-free, you know, even just in gym and fitness lifestyle, where some people start to get a little bit preachy. And I had to be really careful that I didn't slip into, Um, preacher mode and that I just let myself be an example of what it's like and that I was having a good time without shoving my lifestyle down anyone's throat because I I know that 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 definitely is a temptation and is something that could happen if you have a little bit of a different personality and presentation style I guess
0: oh yeah like and I've realized I don't know if you've seen the same but the ones that are usually preaching are the ones who quit later on anyway (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. <Yes>. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's more about the lecturing than actually just we're focusing on themselves and their health and well-being so I'm, I'm the same I never would lecture somebody I just don't see the point like everyone is on their own journey if people mm-hmm. want to drink that's their choice but when you're ready and you want you know you want to hear about it I'm happy to open my arms but at, yes. at that moment we don't need to share because who are we to judge I feel like a lot of society say, you know, you must not eat meat. You must do this. Like I would be a hypocrite if I said to people "every become, everyone become a vegan because I Mm -hmm. used to eat meat. Who am I? Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And you, and who knows you, you might again, I mean, probably not, but you might again, maybe maybe something in your body changes and all of a sudden it feels good. I don't think that I'll ever drink alcohol again, because there's no way that there, it just doesn't feel good. It's, it's fully poisonous for everyone's (laughs) body, not just my own. So I know that that is not something that's part of my journey, but it's just so important that I speak to the people. I, I hold an open door to the people who are curious about the alcohol-free lifestyle and have maybe felt confronted before, because so many of the message messages around sobriety have to do with this deep, dark rock bottom and recovery and 12 steps, which I think are very honorable and noble and necessary paths. But if you're someone like me or you, who is just sensing that alcohol is no longer a fit, just really wanting to step into a more holistic wellness focused lifestyle and really wants to find yourself. I think that being alcohol free is such an empowering part of that journey and a way to say a much bigger yes to yourself and everything that you have available to you in your lifetime,
0: hundred percent. And I don't know if you felt the same as well. That when you like when you did drink, you'd have headaches the next day, or your mood your mood swings would be up and down for a few days. And then when you didn't drink, you just felt amazing after after
1: being on a night out. Yes, I. You know what I realized, and I, I'd be interested to know because it sounds like you were kind of in the midst of, you didn't say so much in the words, but like a spiritual awakening, a soul awakening, an existential crisis, a Saturn return, whatever you (laughs) want to talk about in that, that late 20 to 30 year age period. And we go through a couple in our lives. And I started to notice that, you know, at first my, my fantasy was I would just cut down on drinking so I could be a. Very light, very moderate, every now and again, take it or leave it drinker. And what I found was that even the less that I drank, I still started to feel really, really debilitated, fuzzy, anxious, and not good afterwards. And that could be some things to do with aging and getting older and just not processing it as nicely. But I really think that what I was starting to do was attune to this higher frequency and that my body said, Hey, at this vibration, you actually can't handle this stuff. It is very, very, um, confrontational for your system. And so I was having, you know, nights where I'd have truly one or two drinks and I'd still feel pretty gross and anxious and, you know, just, off, off course the next day. And that stops feeling good. And what I what I realized after I quit drinking is that I am this very attuned, very, very energetically sensitive person. And that alcohol was just really disrupting me on that level.
0: Oh, yeah. I 100% relate. For me, my spiritual journey happened a year before I started quit, quit drinking. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was just fascinating how it aligned with me then, you know, not drinking and then becoming a vegetarian at that time. It all just aligned and also what i realized as well with when you come off alcohol as well or you're starting to come off it your body is so used to that that it depends on it so i'm not surprised that if you were having ups and downs because your body was it was confused it's like where is this substance in my body now because it's gone so i've had the same and i don't know if you've had this before but when i was really young i i used to eat a lot of sugar my parent, like you just, I just did. Like my parents had a shop uh-huh. when I was a kid at one point, and you know, we see a lot of sweets and stuff. And as I got older, I was addicted to sweets, you know, as a teenager. And then I decided to come off it. And as I was coming off sugar, my body started shaking. And I remember once oh. in. Yeah. I remember once in school, my teacher was like, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm just coming off sugar. And I was was thinking more, she's probably thinking she's doing drugs, (laughs) but it wasn't. It was the sugar. So it took, I think it was like six months for my body to recover from sugar. Yeah, And and so it's probably the same with alcohol. It's taking Mm -hmm. months and months to release out of your system, because obviously that stuff doesn't go away overnight. It will still be stored in your body somewhere. So you Mm -hmm. probably were having withdrawal effects and also just feeling like confused with what's going on with your body as well.
1: Mm -hmm. And if you haven't let alcohol completely dissipate from your body and you feed it just a little bit every now and then, you know, yeah, what you're doing is just reintroducing it. And so then your body is having to fight off this substance and really fight to process it because I'm, I, by the way, I'm not a doctor or a scientist. So these are all very armchair expert layman's terms but your, your body has to stop all of the other really important processes in order to fight off alcohol in order to process this toxin. So if you are trying to do anything else, health-related work on your hormones, your fertility, if you have an autoimmune, um, if you, you know, just are not feeling good for any reason, you're not sleeping well, and you're introducing alcohol into your system on a frequent basis, it's completely turning off your body's ability to get to homeostasis. And I think that the other thing that happened for me is when I finally got, as you know, finally realized I was getting there to where my body was calibrated correctly, I didn't want to put something back in just a little bit, just some of the time that was going to throw me completely into this really, um, you know, discombobulated, dysregulated state, which is ultimately what alcohol was doing.
0: Mm. No, I I 100% relate with what you're saying. And Mm -hmm. I've just found 10 years on that. Even the smell of alcohol makes me feel sick. I'm just like, oh. yeah,
1: oh, totally, <laughs> yep, oh no, I, I do not, I do not enjoy. I don't mind being around it, but there's nothing about it that's like, mm, yeah, I want to try that again.
0: <laughs> now, chocolate—that's a different story, but you know, <laughs> oh, same. very much the same. <laughs> but it is the same. But I, yeah, I guess what I've understood over the ten years is that not everybody drinks it to numb their feelings. Some people mm-hmm. generally can enjoy alcohol. But if it's not making you feel good, why the hell are you doing it? Like, why are you damaging your body from within, your soul from within? And I know for me, it was a blessing in disguise, actually, that I quit 10 years ago, because actually, I ended up having a kidney problem back. So I quit in 2013. And by 2015, I had a kidney problem.
1: Oh, my God.
0: Yeah. But I didn't know I was born with a kidney defect, by the way, Amanda.
1: I found out
0: two years later in 2017. (sighs) So had I carried on drinking, I would have lost that kidney.
1: So it all- a blessing. Your body knew, your something inside of you knew you needed to make a change.
0: Yeah. And then the crazy thing is being a vegetarian at that time, had I carried on eating meat, again, I would have damaged my kidney because it's too much protein for the kidneys.
1: Wow. Your intuition was just really guiding you to a new path that you, it's so amazing how if you tune in, that so many times your body will tell you exactly what it needs and wants yeah and that's the key everyone
0: out there that listen to your gut your gut always knows when you know you need to take a break from alcohol or just to quit forever or to you know change anything else in your diet just listen to it because nobody knows your body better than yourself
1: yeah and I think that the big message that I always try to remind people of is not everyone in this lifetime will get a curiosity about making a big lifestyle change whether it is to change their relationship with alcohol or to, um, you know, go towards a vegan diet or whatever it is. And I think it is so important that if your intuition has whispered an idea to you that, you know, that it is probably not random. It's not this, like just goofy thought you had one, one day out of the blue. It was probably, it's probably something deeply intuitive and important that you would be privy to explore.
0: Nice. How are you now helping
1: women to quit drinking? Mm. I you know I thought it was really important um I had I knew for the longest time that I was meant to be a coach and an author and a speaker and I did a lot of training in advance of quitting drinking to to equip myself to support women in whatever way that I was meant to and I just kept praying you know show me what angle I'm supposed to take on this and when I quit drinking it was such a lonely landscape you know I'm a couple of years behind you so i'm 7 years you're 10 and i know that you can attest that 10 years ago 15 years ago there weren't people talking about sobriety as a wellness path there oh, weren't yeah. people talking about well um, sobriety in a spiritual sense right that w- mm-hmm. it was 12 steps it was recovery or nothing was that what yeah. you experienced when you were kind of um you know 10 years ago dabbling in quitting alcohol
0: oh, 100% it was only when i had um a radio show at the time with a colleague mm-hmm. of mine and we mm-hmm. were interviewing people about just different topics and stuff about spirituality, and the more I talked to people on there, the more people were talking about being sober and how they quit drinking, but there was never anything like in the news or articles about being sober curious. It's only in the last maybe four or five years mm-hmm. that people have been talking about it and bringing out books, which I think is amazing, and it's something that we should talk about. I think there was a stigma attached to it, And I think now it's just, you know, kind of the same with mental health, right? You know, like if you look back a decade ago, not many people were talking about mental health.
1: Yes, absolutely. And I think, you know, God bless the younger generations who are making it okay and posh to talk about these things. And it's cool now to go to therapy and everyone's in (laughs) therapy. I'm like, "Thank, thank you for like you little TikTokers and whoever else is spreading the word about this and making it a normal conversation because- Seven years ago, when I, you know, and probably eight or nine years ago, when I wanted to quit drinking, I was dabbling in it and curious about it for a couple of years before I actually made the jump. I wanted so badly to have a mentor, to have a guide, to have a coach, to have someone who looked like me, who was, you know, similar lifestyle, similar age to say, yeah, this is something you can pursue. You could just quit drinking. You don't have to have a problem, you don't have to hit rock bottom. Because the fact of the matter is I, I looked at all of the resources for people who had hit rock bottom and associated or identified as alcoholic or someone with alcohol use disorder. And I didn't meet the criteria. And while I know I would have been welcomed into those groups with open arms, it just didn't feel congruent for me. And it didn't feel helpful for me to go into a format that didn't resonate with me. And so one of the reasons I started coaching is because number one, I had the tools by which to do it. And so from a, from an authority and a integrity space, I felt good about it. But secondly, is I knew that if I was looking for someone to help me on this journey, that I couldn't be the only one I had to believe in my heart that I wasn't this like anomaly in the world who just wanted to quit drinking to support my spiritual and personal growth journey and my health and my wellness and my vibrancy, I could not be the only one thinking this way. And sure enough, as soon as I started talking about it and started offering coaching services and programs around my way to quit drinking and my approach, people started coming out of the woodwork and saying, wow, we've been looking for this. And that felt so affirming wow. to be able to help people in that way. That's amazing.
0: And It's mm-hmm. needed because I still think it's not talked about as much still like it's getting better but there needs to be more awareness but I think you know just going back to what you said like I think back about a decade ago social drinking wasn't seen as toxic
1: no not at all not at all it was something that was expected um if not almost required out of you as a a person out in the world
0: yeah and you were made to feel weird like if you didn't go for drinks after work that was so there was something wrong with you I remember being made to feel that way
1: Mm-hmm. And especially in in those younger years, you know the the late 20s, early 30s, it's such a part of the social life. And then the emotional experience too, which you described, which is it's the cure-all for emotions big and small, good and bad. If you need to elevate a good mood, what do you do? Have a glass of champagne. <laughs> if you need to drown your sorrows, what do you do? You have a cocktail. And it gets into really muddy water when we start to use the same tool to both celebrate and commiserate. And I did not see that. I didn't see what a odd thing it was that we were using exactly the same tool as a as tool for celebration and for drowning in our sorrows. And it's it's really it's really actually interesting and um scary that we would give something that much power. Mm, that's so true.
0: But mm-hmm. again, it's the
1: same thing with like
0: cigarettes back in the day. Cigarettes oh, are yes. healthy and now suddenly, oh, it's bad for you. But it took a long time
1: for that to happen as well absolutely yeah and in, people are starting to catch on you know every every single world health organization has changed their stance on alcohol within the past 3 years and wow. almost all of them now say that the healthy amount of alcohol to drink is none where before <laughs> you were getting prescribed like two or three drinks a week is okay and now it's like well no actually it's none um but i think that there's a lot of people who still want to turn a deaf ear to that because they're not they're not ready and maybe never will be ready and that's okay because the important thing is that for people who are ready or who are curious or who are teetering on the ledge that there are resources and people like me and you inviting them on to explore that curiosity. And so I just, yeah, I'm so glad that both of us are able to talk about it from that stance and be a permission slip giver to these people who are um, curious.
0: I love it. Um, can you tell us about your book Unbottled Potential, Breakup with Alcohol and Breakthrough to Your Best Life?
1: I would love to thank you so much for asking. Yes. I just released uh, my first book, um, with Penguin Random House in October, and this was a labor of love to create a, um, the genre of this book is called quit lit. So quit literature, um, literature about quitting alcohol. (laughs) And there's a lot of other amazing people who have gone before me in this genre, but what I was really missing when I was reading books about being alcohol-free or being sober, was something that took a really positive, empowering, expansive approach to, what if this wasn't a punishment? What if this wasn't something that was doom and gloom and dismal and made you a social outcast and made you undateable or difficult to be around? What if this was an empowering way that you could step into a life that is so powerful that it's just beyond your wildest dreams? And that's what I started to experience when I quit drinking. All of a sudden, all of my dreams started to line up and be within grasp for me when, before they were just, just out of reach. And I thought that it was so miraculous that I couldn't not share it with other people. Like I, how selfish would it be for me to not teach other people and share with other people that there is this magnificent way of living that can help you elevate and expand into your desires and live a life that is just really happy and joyful and full of abundance and I wanted people to have that vision when they thought of being alcohol free versus the vision of this is gonna be so hard. I'm gonna lose all of my friends. I'm gonna be stuck in a basement, you know, three or four nights a week in meetings. And I I wanted to debunk that myth and show that there was this more joyful and positive approach to being alcohol free. And that's what I wrote, why I wrote this book and how I wrote this book. And I, I think it's really touching people and helping them to see a different approach to this lifestyle.
0: Oh, that's amazing. And, I, and the thing is, that's what we need, right? Like when you're on mm-hmm. this journey, it's so lonely. I remember 10 years ago, I found it so lonely until like, luckily, I would started to be in the spiritual world. So then I started to meet people who are like minded. <laughs> yes. But when you're kind of not in that world yet, the spiritual world, like you do feel lonely, you do think is it? Is it me? Is it something wrong with me? It's it we kind of start to shame ourselves, like we are the problem. But actually, It's just that we haven't met ourselves and we haven't met the right people that get who we are becoming in that moment.
1: Oh, so much. Yes, thank you for saying that because it is all about aligning with your truest, most authentic self and the people that will cheer and support and love that authentic version of you. And if you've been participating in drinking culture for long, it's really likely that, you know, what I can say with full certainty is that I was operating under a persona. People I was hanging out with were not getting the full me. They were getting this, like, um, this version of me where I was accentuating the good parts and, and quieting down the parts that I didn't feel were as um, savory or permissible. Yeah. And I they weren't getting the full 360 degree version of Amanda And when I stopped drinking and allowed that, first of all, I had to figure out who that version of me was, but I allowed her to come forth little by little. I started attracting new people who really, really appreciated her. And that was just so empowering to have people who saw me for who I was and said, oh, by the way, we really like her. That's okay. You don't have to dull yourself down or pretend to be something that you're not because we like you just as you are. And those tended to be the people who were running in those personal development and spiritual development circles that I didn't know they existed before because I was too busy putting on a show for this other crowd, you know? <laughs> I totally relate with what you're saying. It's because it,
0: I don't I don't have to put it into words, but like the old version of us were people that were trying to people please and make mm-hmm. a good impression to the world. But then the rebirth happened and the mm-hmm. new version was like, I don't need this alcohol anymore to, to make me feel good because I already feel good. And now my environment is shifting and now I need to embrace this new kind of people and situ- situations and scenarios. And I think that's what happens with the rebirth is that we come back home to ourselves and we come back to the real version of who we were meant to be. We were just afraid, hence why we were drinking.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, and we were using that to keep ourselves stuck and small and to make ourselves feel more comfortable in living this, um, this version of our life that wasn't as big as we're allowed to have. And it's really scary. I think that's the intimidating thing about giving up alcohol is, are you ready to live your life as full out and big as is available to you? And you have to be ready to say a really big yes to that life in order, um, in order for it to feel comfortable to quit. And there are still times when, I mean, I can speak for myself. I certainly like self-sabotage and still keep myself small, but alcohol was a massive way that I was holding myself back. And now with it out of the way, I am just able to shine and be my fullest expression of self in a much easier way.
0: Oh, 100%. I think for me, alcohol was holding me back from trusting myself and my intuition. And when I let it go, my intuition just sharpened. I could hear things. I allowed myself to be. I finally met parts of me that I was uncomfortable with. And also learn how to be at peace with myself i think when you excessively drink you're not at peace with yourself you're trying to find mm-hmm. an escapism from what you're feeling and thinking but when you don't have that anymore you have no choice but to go from within and heal
1: oh so much i i absolutely co-sign on that and the the really cool thing that you said that i want to to like double click into is that you get a you get stronger uh, in touch with your intuition and mm-hmm. i always say that you know, your intuition is there no matter what, like you are always connected to your inner source and the, you know, the, a, a spiritual power of your own understanding. But when you're drinking, it's like, you're trying to communicate with that intuition with a flip phone in a tunnel. And it's just going to be really shitty reception, really shitty service. But if you were to stop drinking, you're going to clear up your internal channels, your intuition channels, your intuitive channels. And it's going to be like, you're talking on a brand new iPhone right next to a <laughs> cell phone tower. And it's just going to be so much more accessible and so much more clear. And I felt that time and time again, that I'm like, Oh, what is that feeling that I have? What is that, um, that idea that I'm getting? And I realize, Oh, it's my intuition. And I just drowned it out before and made it to where it was really muffled and it couldn't really get through oh i love that i think that's
0: Mm. that's so powerful and yeah we are coming towards the end of the show i've just got a few Mm. more questions what are your what are your five top tips for someone who wants to explore
1: sober curiosity but they don't really know where to start Mm -hmm. thank you for asking let me let me see the first tip that i would give is to lean into that curiosity and know that it was planted on your heart for a reason. It's not a dumb idea or um you know something that maybe you should try sometime. It's something you should absolutely try as soon as possible. So lean into the curiosity. The second is I want you to not dabble. I want you to make a commitment and make it non-negotiable and really give yourself a chance to feel what it's like to be alcohol free. So that doesn't mean quitting for a couple of days because as you said earlier it takes a while for alcohol to dissipate from your system. So you need to give yourself a little bit of a runway to actually feel what it's like to be alcohol-free and actually experience some of the emotions and some of the things that you've been hiding from. And that's gonna be difficult. But if you keep going off and on and off and on again, you're never really going to experience the full benefit. So my second tip is to make a, a significant but achievable goal. And I always like to start with, 30 days with the intention of getting to 90 days, but give yourself little chunks of a goal, um, never commit to forever. That isn't something you want to do right off the bat, um, because that then tends to kind of put you into a rebellious state of mind and it pulls something off the table that, um, for too long of a time period. So don't commit to something too short, but don't commit to something too long, um, the next is the next thing that I would um, that I would advise is that you really, really check in with yourself and make sure that you're documenting how you're feeling and what you're experiencing because it is very likely that alcohol has infiltrated into your life, and life in ways that you are not even observing yet. So I really want you to keep track of kind of like the holistic pillars of your life, your personal life. What do you have more time for? Now that you're alcohol-free, what are you able to experience or do more of your emotional life? Where are your emotions coming up where they feel really difficult to handle or where maybe are you experiencing more joy? And it's kind of a surprise that you didn't even know that emotion was in there. Um, Where in your relationships are changing. I want you to just keep an eye out and be a little bit of a detective and be really curious about the experience you're having, not just because you're not drinking, but how is that spilling over and benefiting you in other areas of your life? And finally, if you are someone who is like me, that you are a high achiever, you're very, very capable. You're very intelligent. I want you to be careful of trying to overhaul your entire life at once. This is not, if you are changing your relationship with alcohol, this is not a time for you to start a new diet, start a new workout routine all at once. It is time for you to take care of. The foundation. And right now, the foundation would just be quitting alcohol. Do not try to overhaul your life and quit alcohol at the same time. It is just a recipe for disaster that I have seen gone go very wrong time and time again.
0: Oh, I love that. And yeah. did you have one? So, that's it. That's it. I
1: okay. think that was five, but I can give you, I can just keep going. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I wrote a whole <laughs> book, I can give you tips all day long. <laughs> just one more tip, if that would be different. Okay. So, one more tip would be I, I want you to know that you can be gentle with yourself and take a step back to go within and kind of cocoon for a while, but that doesn't have to be forever. I think a lot of people worry that they're going to become social recluses. And for many people, you do need to recluse in or retreat in for a small period of time, just so that you can get your bearings about you. But I, I just like with the, the last tip that I offered, I don't want you to try, I don't want you to overdo it. I don't want you to put yourself in situations where you're going to compromise the commitment that you've made to yourself. I want you to make that commitment of being alcohol-free, your number one thing, so that if there are social obligations or social opportunities that come up where you don't feel confident that you can keep that commitment it's okay just for now to say no and not do those things. It's absolutely okay.
0: Oh, I love that. That's so important. <laughs> so, yeah. so important. You're right. Wow. Um, I'm thinking, what are you most grateful
1: for? I am most grateful that I'm able to, you know, I'm just grateful that I'm able to experience all my emotions. Now, I had a friend yesterday say, Amanda, I think you're the only one of all of my friends. And she has a lot of friends, um, who's genuinely happy. And that meant so much to me because I built, I've not always been that way. And I've, it required being happy, required me being willing to feel sadness and feel heartbreak and feel grief. And when I was drinking, I wasn't willing to do those things. And so I'm so grateful that I was brave enough to feel the dark and heavy feelings because it's what's allowed me to, become the happiest person some people know. And I, I think that that's, it's just, it's really tremendous to have someone share that with you, but also to know that it's true and to be able to receive it and think, yeah, I am, I am genuinely happy. I love that. And what shines your inner light? Mm. Oh, you know, so many things, so many things these (laughs) days. I think the thing that makes me come alive the most is when I get to help people and when people ask me questions. So I love doing shows like this where I get to podcast or, you know, just in my coaching business where I'm able to talk people through things and support them. I think that it just helps me to tap into all of the lessons I've learned in my life and realize that they were there for a reason.
0: Oh, I love that. Thank you. Thank you, Mm -hmm. Amanda, for being on the show and just coming back home to yourself
1: and saying yes to the real Mm -hmm. self. Yeah. Thank you. It feels really good. It feels really, really good. I'm very grateful for that. Thank you.
0: I really enjoyed this episode with Amanda and it just shows when we really are ready to surrender and, and become sober, life becomes abundant. Like I know for me personally, life has been amazing. Like I don't need alcohol to have fun. I can, I'm just silly anyway. You know, you can have joy in an abundance regardless of drinking, but you know, It's okay to have a glass or two of wine, but if you don't know how to handle your drink, I really do would advise to start becoming curious and do some of the following tools that Amanda recommended. Um, Unfortunately, that's the end of the show. Before I leave, I want to leave you with this quote. You don't have to be an alcoholic to quit drinking. That's a quote by Ruby Warrington we actually had Ruby on the show a few years back. So if you, I will put it in the show notes and have a listen to that episode because that was quite interesting. Just like what Amanda was saying, like we, we don't really talk, there hasn't been that much talk about being sober curious. It's the same for Ruby Warrington and myself, like when we started our journeys and it's just a very, an amazing episode to listen to again and just, and just hear her journey of coming back home to herself. If you're feeling stuck right now and you need support and guidance and you want to transform your trauma and learn to trust yourself so you can really powerful move forward with your life, then send me a message or on Instagram at i am Girds, That's i a m g d g u r d s. I'm forgetting how to speak my own name. Um spell it out. Um and if you are feeling called to have a session with me or you want support in how to take your power back, if you go to my website goodsunder.com and book in a 45 complimentary session, we can actually talk about how we can help you and we can devise a plan to really help you to get back to your awesome self take care my sisters bye and remember stay happy stay healthy stay lit lit